Trust 20 is the new standard of restaurant safety and diner comfort. Trust 20 restaurants are part of a national network of restaurants that meet a high standard of cleanliness and safety, giving diners confidence in the measures you're taking to keep them safe. Trust 20 restaurants receive expert guidance, operational resources, and benefit from diner-focused promotion on behalf of the Trust 20 network of participants. So how do you get certified? It's easy. Go to trust20.co and request a certification appointment. A Trust 20 specialist will reach out and arrange a visit. The specialist conducts a 60-minute review and consultation according to Trust 20 tactics. If adjustments are needed, the Trust 20 specialist will provide guidance to assist. Now that you're certified, have peace of mind knowing that you're doing everything you can to keep your restaurant safe and start enjoying the benefits of Trust 20 certification. Remember, visit trust20.co and request your certification appointment today. Welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio, a podcast for and about the people of the Nashville restaurant scene. Now here's your host, the CEO of New Light Hospitality Solutions, Brandon Still. Hello, Music City, and welcome to Nashville Restaurant Radio. My name is Brandon Still, and I am your host. We have got a special show for you today. We welcome in Tabor Lucky and Corey Coleman. Um, Tabor is the owner of the Corner Pubs as well as Esquina Cantina, and Corey is his director of operations. We're so excited to get to talk to them, catch up with them, see how things are going over there with them. And I uh, want to get started off today by talking a little bit about Foh and Bo. That's F-O-H and B-O-H dot com. They are the new way to hire and be hired in Nashville, Tennessee. So if you own a restaurant, if you want to work in a restaurant, this website is for you. It is locally owned, locally operated, and woman owned. It is not anywhere else. While it's a very professional looking website, it looks like it can be a national website. It is only for Nashville restaurant workers. Um, go right now, F-O-H and B-O-H dot com. It is free to sign up, free to check it out, and it is very, very cost effective. It works like a dating site. So if you own a restaurant and you want to hire people right now, don't do the post and pray method on Facebook. Don't go on these other sites and create a job and have to wait for people to come back. They have thousands of people right now on their website waiting for you to request an interview with them. You need servers, you need bartenders, you need line cooks, you need managers, you need general managers. They are all there right now on FOH and BOH.com. They are called Faux and Bow. You also heard a commercial there to start off about Trust 20. Trust 20 is the new way to get certified uh, for all things healthy inside of a restaurant. You owe it to your guests and your, your staff to ensure that these 20 tactics are covered. Just like Deacon's New South and Puckett's Grocery, the A. Marshall Hospitality Concepts, you will get a cool sticker that says you are Trust 20 certified as well as um, they will promote you throughout the city, like on this show. So we are happy to have Trust 20 as a sponsor. And with that, we have Tabor and Corey waiting in the wings. There they are. Good morning. Good morning. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you. Thank you. We're so excited to have you. And if you are uh, listening to this, just a reminder, you can also watch this. You can see all of our smiling faces on our YouTube channel at youtube.com uh, slash Nashville Restaurant Radio. All right. That's a lot. It's a lot to get started here. Uh, so, guys, we've we this has been an absolutely insane past six months. I know it has been for me. How yeah? How are things going for you? It's good. Um, as good as can be. This was uh, something that the purchase went through in uh, the third of January of this year. So we we got hit by the tornado right out right off the bat. Um, and then obviously this thing called COVID popped up. So it has definitely been, uh, it's, it's been an experience. It's been an experience for sure. So let's back up a little bit, Tabor. Um, you said the purchase went through in January. Let's, let's let people know who you are. If you don't know who Tabor Lucky is, and, and Corey, we're going to jump into you right here next, but give us kind of that 90 second story. I want to, I, I could spend a day, uh, a whole show on going back on your story, but kind of give our listeners just a, how you got here. 
Yeah. Um, I've been like infinity. uh, Yeah. I've been in Nashville for about uh, 17 years now. Uh, Actually, Jay Alexander's brought me here. Um, I worked for them as a, as a chef um, and opened up some stores for them. Where'd Uh, you move from? I born and raised in Montana. Okay. Uh, but I've been all over. Uh, I was in Rhode Island. I went to uh, Johnson & Wales University is where I got my degree at. I uh, spent some time overseas as well uh, and then got hired with Jay Alexander's right out of college um, and went from Chicago to Detroit to here uh, via Jay Alexander's. So I was you with- You got to Nashville and put roots down. I did, yes. Yeah. Uh, so I was with Jay's for a long time. I actually worked at the Art Institute as an instructor for a couple of years as well. Um, and then <clears throat> had the opportunity to, I really wanted just to get back on the line and start cooking. Uh, you know, working at Jay's, I had a, I learned a lot. Uh, but after, you know, I got my systems down, I turned into more of a, a janitor and a babysitter and, and kind of lost my, uh, lost my way as, as, you know, why I got into this industry to start with, which was, you know, being on the line and listening to tickets print and uh, trying to work your way out of the weeds. Um, the fun stuff. The fun stuff, like yes. That. So um, I started at a restaurant uh, in, uh, it was Whitfields at the time. Oh, um, yeah. In Belmina. I just started as a grill cook while I was teaching out at the Art Institute. Uh, that lasted for maybe six months uh, before uh, the owner approached me and asked if I'd ever be interested in buying out the other owner, um, which I did. Uh, and then I originally took over Bria Bistro as well. So we had Bria in Whitfields. Um, then we opened up Harding House at the Bellamy Plantation. Um, and then that's kind of when we got into catering with Infinity. Um, so that was with Nathaniel Beaver. Correct. Was the owner there. Nathaniel Beaver was the owner. And then you had those three. And then you you kind of, when did you start? In, was Infinity his company or was Infinity no, something no. that you guys created? We created it together. We we're uh, 50-50 business partners. Um, and like I said, when we got into the Bellmead Plantation, we started doing weddings and started getting into catering uh, at the plantation um, and just kind of progressed into a full event company. Um, and our first event space was the bridge building um, downtown. And then we went into the bell tower on the corner of 4th and Korean, uh, took over 12th and Porter um, and the quarter, which was on 2nd Avenue above French's Boots. Um, well, whatever happened with 12th and Porter? Because the last I remember talking to you before you reopened it, like walking in the door there, and it was like the enthusiasm coming out of you just as to what you guys were doing there. Did that just like what what happened with the the 12th and Porter? You know, it just never between all the construction from around there. Uh, yeah, it, it just it really we couldn't get we couldn't get it off the ground. Um, you know, we had a lot of great. Uh, musicians there we had a lot of great concerts there um but the cost to put that on just was wasn't uh it didn't make financial sense yeah Um, so we had to mod we modified the hours and and went from no lunch to you know dinner only and then we turned it into an event space uh and i believe currently it is a construction office oh well there's a lot of construction happening over there that would make sense there is yeah it was just the roads were closed every day and no one could get there just it turned into more of a hassle than anything uh and financially it just wasn't making sense yeah and you know sometimes timing like that just i mean now with all those buildings being built and shohan and mockingbird and tonsu and pins mechanical and i feel like that area is it's you know it's it's expanding right now it is it'll, it'll turn into the other side of the gulch here pretty soon absolutely Okay, so you did that, and you had the bridge building, you did all of these events, and when did you guys, uh, so did you, when did you exit uh, last, that whole partnership? Yeah, last June. Last uh, June. Last June, uh, we separated ways, um, and then I got presented with an opportunity uh, from Jeff Rippey uh, to take over all the corner pubs. So um, I'm going to ask you the difficult question. Yeah. Was it an amicable split? Was it like, cause I mean, were you guys just like wanting to do different things or were you wanting out? Are you guys still friends? What's the, what's the deal there? Yeah, it just, it, it happened. Uh, we both wanted to do different things and we, you know, we, we grew a huge business um, really quickly together. Yeah. Uh, had a great business relationship uh, and it was just time to, 
time to do other things. He, he wanted to go one direction. I wanted to go a different direction. So that's what we did. Okay. Well, that makes sense. Yeah. That happens sometimes, right? It does. Okay, so I'm going to I'm going to pause right there before we get into your next steps. And I'm going to I'm going to go over to Corey. Yeah, Corey, what's what's kind of your same sort of deal there that he just explained, but for you? Sure. So uh, born and raised in Virginia, um, Waynesboro it was uh, the Shenandoah Valley, the Blue Ridge Mountains. They call it God's country up there. Um, and uh, is that what Blake Shelton's singing about? <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. The Blue Ridge Mountains. But uh, so I uh, went to James Madison University uh, up in Harrisonburg in Virginia, was a vocal performance major, actually, for three years and decided uh, that's not really what I wanted to do with the rest of my life, although it was something I was good at. Um, so you can I, get down on some karaoke. <laughs> yeah, I was like, you're probably the guy to take to karaoke, aren't you? Every once in a while, you know, I dabble. Uh, but. <laughs> I decided to switch career paths, worked in a couple restaurants up in uh, Virginia and um, really loved it and just loved, like Tabor said, being in the weeds and getting out of the weeds with a crew of pirates. So uh, moved down to Nashville, went to the Art Institute, RIP, Art Institute, Tennessee, Nashville, <laughs> no longer a thing. Um, and met a lot of great people. You know, I mean, it, it really was a school where you, you get out what you put into it. Um, you know, you build connections and relationships there. And, uh, and then, so I started at Whitfields actually as well, uh, working the line, working the grill there. And, um, from there, you know, worked at Bria, worked at Harding house and started working my way, you know, up the line and, uh, eventually, you know, became the corporate executive sous chef of infinity, um, with, with Tabor and Nathaniel and, <clears throat> And just from, from there, it progressed into, you know, uh, a, a real job of, of every day was a different task. I mean, you know, with three restaurants and uh, multiple event spaces, it was just, it just became a, a, an exciting place to work and an exciting time to work, um, especially with the growth that that company had um, in such a short amount of time. Yeah. And I, um, I, I, I went to Bria not long ago for for dinner i live less than a mile from there oh, okay. uh, so your corner pub right there is is a very excited i have not been back since you've kind of finished everything and uh I, I just told my wife yesterday i said we've got to go check that out and see what he's yeah, done but it's amazing how bria is is like so different now it is we you know? saw bria shoot four years ago yeah, I mean, it's been, I mean, I obviously I don't eat there a lot. I mean, so last time I was there, I think you guys had it and it was fantastic. And then I went back there recently and I was like, this is the, this, this is completely different. Like what happened? And then I went, oh, they sold this new ownership. And you went, oh, okay. I see exactly what's going on here. Nothing against Bria. I don't like talking bad about restaurants, but it's just amazing how your mindset and leadership in a place goes to somebody different who I think is out of town now is what I understand. Correct. Yeah. Um, how different that can be. And I want that place to be amazing because I, I need that place to be amazing. It's right next to my house. I loved it. It was, it was one of my favorite places. It's a beautiful restaurant. Yeah. Yeah. So you guys both have a, in Jay Alexander's that experience. That, so that was my very first restaurant I worked in 1997 Jay Alexander's on White Ridge road. Nice. Uh, first restaurant. It's the first, like, I worked at lots of like restaurants, like Taco Bell and pizza, which are technically restaurants, but <laughs> Jay Alexander's in 1997 was my first waiting tables job, like white, white starch shirt, yeah, hand tied bow tie. You had to wear white shoes and I had to like get like that white paint stuff and like clean all the scuff marks off every morning. It was incredible. But what I learned from Jay's was an incredible discipline for what you do inside the building did you were you like that before jay's because i know that's the way you are now I, I walk in your kitchen i see all your dry storage every can is labeled facing the exact same way yeah. it's exactly like that you walk in the back and the attention to detail is on point is that just the way that you are or is that something you learned coming up I've always, uh, I started in the industry when I was 13 and, and have been lucky to, to work under some really good chefs. Um, but, you know, coming into Jay's, it was, uh, you know, when I was going to school, I was, did, did a lot of competitions um, and, and was really in with the chef group. So when I took 
a corporate job, uh, I got a lot of flack from from the instructors. But uh, I, I knew that's what I needed as a person and, and to grow my careers, I needed that discipline uh, and, and I wanted to learn the systems. Um, actually, when I first applied for J. Alexander's, I applied for front of house because uh, I had worked in back of house for 15 years and I wanted to get that the front of house experience. Um, I went to sh Chicago for my training and I think the third weekend, the executive chef sat me down and said, you, you're not, you don't want to do the front of the house. You, you need to come back into the, into the back of the house. You'll, you'll be a lot more successful and had a, had a long talk with me. And, and that's what happened. I ended up switching and, and, uh, and started at, in the kitchen. Um, Got it. You know, he, he was one of the very first people that uh, his name was Montana. He's still, he's still the executive chef in Chicago, uh, the Northbrook location. And, he, I'll never forget, he walked in, it was one of my last three or four weeks of training, and he, you walked into his kitchen, and it, it looked like you walked into, you know, a sterile hospital, and it was, it was, everything was Krogerized, so when you walked in that dry storage, if there wasn't something pulled forward and faced, it was like you just killed his kid, and that's, you know, he, he held me accountable um, and I'll never forget when he walked in and there was uh, a thing of uh, cornstarch that was backwards and set back a little bit. And he came and grabbed me by the shoulder and made it like it was the biggest thing on earth that I didn't hold someone accountable to front that shelf. And that lesson I, I sticks with me uh, and I'll never forget it uh, because I had to go get the whole kitchen staff together and say, hey, who did this? As small as this seems, this is what is going to make us better than everybody else. Um, so holding people accountable at that time, uh, it, it's, it's stuck with me and I've, I've always, always, uh, try to instill it in everybody else. So fast forward or backwards, however we want to look at this, you had Jeff, you contact Jeff, so Jeff Rippey contacted you or you contact, you guys were in contact. You had the opportunity to purchase the corner pubs and Esquina Cantina. How did that, tell me, tell us that story. Yeah, it was, um, it was, it started right before, um, I got out of infinity. Um, and you know, it was, I, I was actually contacted from a broker, um, and the broker and I talked and, and, uh, one thing kind of led to another and I ended up sitting down with Rippy and him and I really hit it off. Um, one of the best people I've ever met. Um, and, and he, he, he was cheering for me to get it. He, he, we had other people um, that were looking at it as well, uh, some bigger groups. Um, this is just me. Uh, I am the investor in this. Uh, I, you know, I don't have those deep pockets. So it was, uh, it was scary, um, but I knew I could surround myself with some good people uh, like Corey uh, and several others that we have in the company. Um, so it was a long process. It started in June. It took about six months for all the paperwork, lawyers, uh, financing, all that kind of stuff to go through. Um, and then we ended up with um, all the corner pubs, uh, as well as a 15,000 square foot warehouse with a commissary kitchen that is uh, Tennessee Ag inspected. Uh, wow. We're getting ready to get USDA inspected uh, probably within the next month. Um, and yeah, it was uh, it was a process. It took, like I said, it took six months to to get the everything signed and and to take over. What was the conversation with like? So, what was it like? What's the conversation with your wife, honey? I want to buy all the corner pubs. Was she like, yeah, let's go? Or was she like, whoa, these are bars. This isn't what you do. Like, how did that go? She was excited and nervous at the same time. Uh, I mean, it's a at the, at the time, you know, I knew what the financials of the restaurants were and, and I knew what I could do to improve those. Um, and uh, just the opportunity, being able to sit down and, and tell her, hey, you know, this is this is where we're at now uh, and this is how we can make it better. Uh, but she, she, she got on board with it. She was excited and still is. So... <laughs> That's that's the key, right? She she still is. Yep. So what were what were some of the main things you identified? You said that you could make it better. What were some of the things that you identified on the front end that you needed to do to make it better? Uh, one, just getting the right people in the right places. Uh, I knew some people from Infinity were going to be coming with me, including Corey. 
which, you know, I, I trust him as a brother. So having the people that I trust in there um, and you know, corner pubs were really run independently. Um, you know, Franklin store was different than downtown, was different than Brentwood, was different than Bellevue, uh, was different than Mount Juliet at the time when it was a corner pub. Uh, everything was pretty much run independently. Um, so what I knew I wanted to do is, is one, utilize our commissary a lot more, um, which reduces our inventory in the restaurants, reduces our labor costs dramatically in the restaurants, uh, increases our productivity, increases our consistency and quality because it's all controlled from here, uh, right behind this wall. Well, that's a good segue. I mean, tell us about how the commissary works. I mean, I want to get, but that's a big part of how you're going to upgrade what you're doing. How does, I mean, that's a, that's so revolutionary to me. I mean, there's so many people with multiple concepts that don't have a 10,000 square foot warehouse that they use as a commissary. Yeah. So let's talk about that. Yeah. So we, it's a full commercial kitchen. Um, we, we have vacuum sealers. Um, everything is cooked on site, uh, just like it would be at a restaurant. And then what we do is we, we bag it and seal it or cryovac it, depending on what the product is. Uh, we cut all our fresh salmon here. We cut all our own meat here. Um, we do everything from our cornbread mix to the chili to every single salad dressing, um, all of our side items. Then what, what we do is the, the stores will order from us, uh, just like they would call any other uh, distributor, put in an order. Uh, we have refrigerated delivery trucks uh, and delivery drivers deliver two days a week. Um, so our chefs here will, will cook and prepare everything um, and then pick the orders, pull the orders just like you would from a, a regular warehouse. Um, and then it gets distributed to the restaurants. Um, you know, my, my notion of a commissary was always the food wasn't going to be good. Uh, you know, it was more of a bulk cooking, uh, and it couldn't be any more different than that. Um, the way we reheat everything is we, we use steamers. So we're not reconstituting anything. We're not, you know, diluting the flavors, the seasoning, everything is made exactly like it would be in the restaurant, sealed in a, in a bag, and then we reheat it in a steamer. So there's no additional water added to it. Um, so the flavors that we put in to the food here at the commissary is exactly what the guests are getting at the restaurants. But you don't have to have a army of individual prep cooks and the inconsistency of who cut the salmon today. Correct. Because that's such a, when you're looking at controllable cost, you know, whether or not uh, John, who's the, the guy cutting the salmon today, cuts a six to eight ounce portion, you're like, hey, if it's a seven ounce portion every single time, that's a lot better than half of them being eight ounces. I mean, the the consistency you can do out of a commissary to me seems like it would be absolutely worth it right there. Yeah, no, 100 percent. Even, you know, going back into that cost thing, we, we slice our own meats here. So we slice all the turkey, the ham, uh, the roast beef, uh, everything for the Rubens. Then we portion those in, in whatever portion bags we want. And then those are sealed in, you know, bags of 10. So even going that far, when they get delivered to the store, it's already pre-portioned. It's already cut. We don't have to worry about someone grabbing a handful and thinking that six ounces when it's nine ounces. Uh, everything's pre-portioned. Everything's ready to go. Wow. That, see, that's, that's innovative. That's innovative and brilliant. And are you going to open that up to, let's say, you know, hypothetically, let's say Sam Sports Bar wants to purchase their ground, you know, their roast beef because, hey, look, can you deliver us pre-portioned five-ounce roast beef in a bulk? Could, could you do something like that? Absolutely. And that's what uh, the Tennessee Ag lets us deliver um, non-meat products as, less as, as long as it's less than 2%. Um, that's why we're going for a USDA inspection. It will open up a whole nother uh, door for us. Uh, and we have a lot of contracts that are pending because of that. Um, okay. We do have other restaurants that we supply food for already, uh, as well as co-pack uh, products that get shipped all over. Oh, wow. So that's uh that's a probably a huge revenue stream um for you guys. That's great. And that that I can see where you're talking about we're, we're gonna make it bigger and better. Yeah. Um back to kind of what we talked about with Jay Alexander's in that culture. And Corey, jump on in here any second, man. I'm sorry, I'm just no, uh, I got all these questions. How do you instill that culture? into a restaurant that doesn't have that culture? How difficult is it 
changing a culture. I don't know how much changing you had to do, but I'd been to corner pubs before and they're a little, and I was excited when I heard that you bought them. Cause I was like, damn, he's going to, he's going to increase the level of service. He's going to increase the level of consistency, the level of cleanliness. He's going to redo these things. Corner pubs, the perception that people have of corner pub is about to change. Like it's about to get a lot better. How do you, and this might be a perfect question for you, Corey, how do you do that? How do you make it so that every can is facing the same way and it's first in, first out, and it's pulled forward and aligned without, because you today you can't grab somebody by the shoulder and pull them over and go, look what you've done. You can't do that. And that's kind of a, a relic. How do you do that today? What have you had to do and what is your culture now? Sure. So, you know, uh, it, it comes down to, um, you know, what Tabor had t- uh, touched on earlier and, and leadership and putting the right people in the right places. Uh, you know, it's, it's, uh, we're, we're both, um, and, and I can speak for him on this. We're both leaders by example, a hundred percent. We're never going to, we're never going to tell you to face the corn starch this way and not tell you why to do that. Um, because it makes us better. Um, and, and we'll always give explanations on why things are to change because over the last six months we have changed or nine months, we have changed many things. Um, and, and just, you know, sort of, we took a step back, looked at the corner pubs as they were and as the culture was, um, individually between each one and just bringing those together to give it that more corporate feel and to give it, you know, whether, whether you go to Franklin or downtown or Brentwood corner pub, you know, you're going to get the same quality food, same quality service, same quality drinks, um, and the cleanliness of you know, from the bathrooms to the, to the bar seats are going to be um, something you can expect every time you come in. So, so really just, you know, making sure that, that we uh, went in there and, and gave a positive message of change. Um, you know, that was, that was really important for us as well. This is, this isn't going to be us coming in as dictatorship. We're coming in to lead by example and to show you that, you know, we're going to make it better for you. You're going to make more money. Um, and, you know, that, that, instills them to have a sense of ownership within each restaurant, whether they're a server, a dishwasher, a bartender, or a general manager. Nice. Do you have a actually written down like core values that you guys live by? We started doing all that kind of stuff. And then uh, we kind of had to get more reactive uh, once all this stuff started happening. Um, But we, we, that's, you know, that's the direction that we're going. Uh, our mm-hmm. goal is to open up about 50 corner pubs. Wow. Yeah. So next one's going to be Cool Springs. Sweet. When is that? Do you have, where's it going to be? What's the, uh, the old, uh, Franklin Abbey or Dan McGinnis on Carruthers. Oh yeah. Okay. Wow. Uh, we purchased that and it is, uh, 100% gutted right now. Uh, we're just waiting on some permits to come through so we can continue, but we're, we're excited. It's going to be a good one. So let's go back to your timeline. Um, January, you closed the deal. Correct. And you're excited, probably popping champagne. 2020, here we go. This right. is going to be the best year of our lives. Yeah. Holy shit. We just bought a whole restaurant concept. Wow. Here we go. March 3rd, tornado. Tornado hits. Let's talk about what your life has been like since that day i woke up that small uh my commissary kitchen and the warehouse our corporate office is right next to john c tune airport uh oh. so when i woke up that morning uh that's all i heard was john c tune airport i got in my truck cisco. About, <clears throat> and cisco yeah we're right yeah. we're at cisco as well um so i got in my truck and drove to as close as i could i couldn't they i had to park on briley and uh wow I parked on Briley and started walking. Um, like I said, it only we've only had this for about a month and a half, two months. And as far as I knew, everything was gone uh, at the commissary. So I walked, I think, about two miles, yeah, about two, and two and a half miles back here. Uh, and we just had lost power. The building was still standing. Uh, the tornado missed us by about 500 yards. <clears throat> the buildings uh, on, on the other side of us, uh, gone, completely destroyed. Um, we lost power. Um, luckily, my one of my tenants in the building is a generator company. 
Um, so I actually had the whole building wired to be able to run off a generator. Uh, so I had power within five to six hours after the tornado hit. Um, wow. So it didn't, uh, it didn't hurt us as bad as everybody else. Uh, and we were lucky. Uh, so actually what Corey and I did was went to Costco and bought all the bread, water, and uh, chips and everything we possibly could. We came back to the commissary um, and made sandwiches and put together lunches and drove over to East Nashville and started handing out to all the first responders uh, and spent a couple hours just walking around in the streets, handing out sandwiches and water and chips, um, you know, just because we knew we were lucky enough not to get hit and, and trying to help them out. Um, and Costco had a limit on waters you could buy too. I remember going there and I was like, I want to buy like 15 things. They're like, you can buy two, sir. I'm like, no, but I'm taking them down to Germantown to give them out to you. Like, yeah, I don't care. You can buy two. And I was we, like, exactly what we said too. Yeah. I was like, come on, man. Like, let me buy like 10. And he was like, nope. And uh, we left Costco and then we went to Publix and then we went to Kroger and then Kroger. <laughs> See, I went to McDonald's there over on Whitebridge and I walked in and I was like, hi, I need to buy, um, I need 50 cheeseburgers. And she was like, what? <laughs> I need 50 cheeseburgers. I'm just going to go take them and hand them out. She was like, let me get my manager. I'm like, oh, do whatever. I'm going to go to Costco. Just, I'll be back in like 20 minutes. Is that cool? Um, so yeah, awesome. similar deal, man. Just like, that's amazing how everybody in our city like that was just like the first response. Yep. Let's, how do we get out there and help? Yep. Absolutely. Yeah, everybody rallied. I mean, really hard. And, and for us to go down there and see, you know, some of the more unfortunate business owners and, and uh, you know, homeowners and, and everyone else, it was, it was eye opening, you know, to, just to see how truly lucky we were. And, and, you know, it was, it was just, I think everyone was just like, this is what you do when, when a tragedy strikes like this, you, you come together, you, you know, you band up, you pick each other up and, and you, you get back to work. And, you know, I was in Germantown yesterday and a week ago we had Fleming Wilt, who's the president of Christie Cookie Company, and they had damage in their Germantown location. Their office, like their, their storefront still is not open in Germantown. And he was saying that there's just all of these apartment buildings that are condemned, uh, that the whole Germantown area, all those restaurants are just really in a lot of pain right now and if you're out there listening uh east nashville and germantown both would love to have you come and dine there you yeah. know everybody it, it's safe put a mask on get out support your locally owned and operated restaurants in yeah. in east nashville as well as uh germantown still need your support more that more now than ever yep yeah so throw out that little psa so you're out there, you're handing out waters, you made sandwiches. Your 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 commissary was okay. Any of your restaurants take any damage? No. Um, no damage anywhere on the restaurants. So we, we, we were lucky on that uh, aspect. Um, we did close down uh, a couple of days just because of the commissary being down, uh, not up to full speed. Um, but other than that, uh, we, you know, we, we were fortunate enough to, to come out uh, pretty, pretty decent after that. So we just kind of picked up again and started, started on our mission of, of you know, redoing and, and re-adjusting uh, um, the corner pubs into something that we wanted it to be. Um, and, then, and then two weeks we, later, two weeks later, we, we got this thing called COVID coming up. Uh, and then we kind of just went into, I don't want to say panic mode, but we went into a mode of what do we need to do? Um, I call it hustle mode. Man, scramble. There was there's no no yeah. other yeah, no better word than hustle. Uh and that's Yeah, I mean that's the word. Yeah. And you know, we 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 sat down, Corey and I sat down and like, you know, what the are we going to do? And uh so we started everything we could to get every platform, delivery platform, uh, you know, in every restaurant which they hate all the, you know, the restaurants hate that uh because there's 14 different iPads dinging at one time. I can imagine. Uh, but we, we held on as long as we could. And then, you know, I, I had to do the hardest thing I've ever had to do in my life. Uh, I had to lay off 165 people, uh, <sighs> which hurt more than anything. Um, I was able to keep 15 of us on. Uh, so all the GMs and all the salaried employees, um, we kept kept on. Um, 
we also offered all 165 employees that we had to lay off free meals for the entire time that they were all gone. Um, wow. But yeah, it was, that was hard. That was, that was one of the hardest things I've ever had to do. Cause you know, just buying this business, just starting to gain their trust, starting to, uh, you know, learn the, the stories of all the different employees and then having to, to come to the realization that I can't, I can't keep running the restaurants, you know, the way that no. we are. Um, so yeah, we, we, we had to do that. And it, like I said, we just kind of transitioned into 100% to go business and just like everybody else hustled as much as we could. Um, we were lucky and, you know, our, our partnership with the predators, they've helped us out a lot, um, given us different opportunities to feed, um, hospitals, first responders, uh, we've, at the police department several times um, started a home delivery service we started a home delivery service as well uh just that's a pivot yeah, yeah. Um, to use the, the the coined word of the whole pandemic yeah, yeah. pivot yeah we, anything from fresh cut steaks to milk to toilet you know, paper toilet paper we had lots of toilet paper six packs of beer anything we could uh sell them we we started a home delivery service and delivered in our refrigerated trucks hustle Yep. <laughs> that's it right there man yeah wow. uh, yeah then uh we were fortunate enough to we were one of the first uh companies to get the ppp loan um so we hired every everybody back uh whether they wanted to work or not they were getting paid uh, there you go. and we were the one like i said we were one of the first that got it um and the original terms were we had to spend all of it within eight weeks um and so that's what we did uh with two weeks left they extended it out for another 24 weeks but we had a, we had a already... uh which which hurt us in the long run um because we were you know we were told we had to spend 75 percent for salaries um but we had to hire everybody back um because if we didn't spend it and, and spend it the way they told us to it turns into a loan and then we have to repay it um, so, you know, we, we did everything we were supposed to do, um, and it, it ended up hurting us more than it helped us in the long run. And I think that there, um, and Trump yesterday said he's, there's another one, but he's putting it on hold until after the election. And today he came back and said, no, yep. we're going to do, we'll do a PPP loan, another one, another round of it. So hopefully that comes through, but yeah, I think a lot of people were in your shoes. There's a few people that were like. I'm just going to take the 1% loan and I'll just be fine with it. And then all of a sudden went fantastic. Yep. Thank you for extending it. That's a great deal. We'll just use it. Yeah. Uh, but that's, that's frustrating. It's frustrating to do what the government tells you to do. You got to be happy to hire everybody back. I'm sure people are excited yeah. to be back. Yeah. But at the same point, that doesn't help for the long term. We need another, we need yeah. another round. Yeah. Yeah. Quickly. Are the restaurants all back open and running right now? Yes, every, everything's open. Um, downtown is the one that's really struggling. Um, you know, downtown is really, uh, it's my highest overhead, um, highest, highest everything. Uh, and right now it's the lowest sales. Um, you know, all those high rises and, and office buildings down there, there's tens of thousands of people that are just working from home now. Um, mm -hmm. So, you know, my, if you walk into the corner pub downtown at lunchtime, it's nothing but construction workers. Uh, all you see is neon orange and neon green in there. Uh, and thank goodness that they, you know, they're coming in. But, you know, our lunch, our lunch business was really getting built up before all this happened. And, and um, it's, it's non-existent now. Um, mm. And then, you know, without, without sports for so long, uh, being a sports bar, it, it doesn't help not having sports. Um, so, you know, downtown is, downtown's going to be a while before it gets back to where it needs to be. Um, we, we have to have those, those office buildings full, um, and those people coming in for lunch to help carry that over. And get the concerts back and, and the concerts and the and, back, yeah. you know, we're working closely with, uh, some different, um, you know, companies to, to sort of do the pregame with the Titans and, and get some, get some more traction down there. And, you know, we just excited when they can start bringing fans back into the stadiums and, and the Bridgestone arenas and, and get some concerts going again to, to really get downtown back to where it was. So I mentioned in my opening, one of our sponsors is Trust 20. And they're a company that comes in and identifies 20 different tactics for you to, to focus on, you know? So if you're an independent restaurateur and you're trying to identify, what do we need to do? They come in and they identify 
social distancing and all the just there's 20 things to keep your guests and your employees safe what's the thing that you guys have to do right now what are, what are you doing actively to keep everyone safe so we're doing daily screenings um you know I've, obviously we're we're making sure that you know social distancing masks 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 i mean i just constantly say masks it's it's uh you see somebody with a mask right here and and you just you just want to grab them but you don't you ask them politely to put their mask over their nose uh because that's a, a huge part of it and and you know really just making sure that our sanitation is is number one and that every host every employee knows that everything gets sanitized no matter what i mean from the from where the guest pulls their chair out to every handle on anything they could possibly touch from the bathrooms to, you know, the golden tea machine in Brentwood. Um, yeah. Ev everything gets sanitized pretty much hourly, um, you know, and, and, and we were a little overkill with that at first, sanitizing everything every 30 minutes. And, and there's nothing wrong with that. But we, we also had to make sure that, you know, we, we let the employees know that you, you can't be too safe right now and and to know that you know it's more than anything we want our guests to know that it's a safe place to come in no matter when they come in and no matter which restaurant they're at i love it um so for one of the things i wanted out of this interview was to let my listeners know that whatever your perception of the corner pub was that these are, this is the owner of the corner pub this is director of operations corner pub they're local people they are just like anybody else out there this isn't a the corner pub is not a national brand yet yeah. um but yeah. it is a it is a local nashville company and they are just as very much a locally owned and operated restaurant as um as any of these other uh, chef driven places that you need to be out supporting them as well and they are family friendly take your kids take uh take your wife take the family out go have dinner corner pub has changed the food consistent the quality is there and i just i wanted people to understand that one one last thing there is you have your corner how many corner pubs do you have uh five soon to, so be, have, five. Soon to be five soon to be five corner pubs with the addition of cool springs right. um and there's another there, there was two during the pandemic there was a corner pub in the nations and it is closed and then there's a corner pub in green hills now this corner pub is called the original corner pub and it is not affiliated with you correct correct it is not um it, it he used to be affiliated with uh the the partnership group that used to own the corner pubs um the owner of the one in green hills has not been affiliated with corner pub in over 12 years i believe um okay. <clears throat> the one in the nations got shut down immediately um, after his his uh, tweeting um, kind of went awry. Um, but yeah, we are in no way, shape, or form uh, connected to him. Uh, he has nothing to do with Corner Pub. Um, I, I can't be any more any more straightforward than he has nothing to do with us. So I was walking with my brother. We went for a walk. We were over on Morton Mill on the Greenway. And uh, we were walking and I started getting text messages from people that said, hey, do you know who the guy who owns, do you know the guy that owns the corner pub? And I was like, you know, I'm just getting these text messages because all of a sudden this was happening. And I went, oh, wow. My brother started getting text messages. It was like wildfire. It was incredible. And you know, my brother, he owns a, um, a marketing company here yep. in town. And um, it was just this, oh, wow, I wonder what my brain was, what went through my brain immediately was, I wonder what Tabor's doing right now. I wonder if he's just freaking out like, this isn't me. This isn't me for everybody out there who doesn't know the backstory. When you started seeing, was it Carrington Fox? Who was it that posted the initial, somebody, I forget who was posted the initial kind of a thing from the scene, I believe. Now we had our marketing uh, director. He he called me immediately and said we have a huge problem, uh, <laughs> and you know he he sort of alluded to that. And um, you know I ended up getting it. Never had a Twitter account. Had to end up signing up for Twitter in order to figure out what exactly was going on and and what all this hoopla was about. 
Um, and you know, the predators were great as well. They, they chimed in and, and let us let the, their 500,000 followers know that there is no affiliation between that corner pub and our brand. Yeah. I mean, it went, it went pretty quick. Uh, I, I think there was, you know, a couple thousand tweets, um, and people getting, getting us, uh, mixed up with them as well, obviously because of the name, um, and, and not understanding why, um, why the names were the, the same. Uh, we did, we did offer a, a statement. Uh, I did have the news channel two came in mm -hmm. and, and we, uh, released a statement. And like Corey said, the, the predators called us immediately after this happened uh, because of our affiliation with them. And, uh, he, they, like I said, he's the, um, the executive said, Hey, make sure you give us your, your, uh, statement on it and we will release it, uh, which they did immediately. So, you know, having their support, um, we, we, we squashed it as best we could, as quick as we could, uh, and try to minimize the damage. Uh, I still get people asking me about it. Um, and oh, yeah. you know, it's, it, it was, it was, uh, just another, another punch to the gut after another one, after another one, after another one. Uh, but you know, you roll with the punches and, and, you know, that's, his statements have nothing to do with our values. Um, and, and it, you know, not anything that we want to pursue, you know, our perception to be. So, uh, we, we issued our statement and, and kind of left it at that. I, I remember getting those texts and I immediately felt just this empathy, just this, oh man, I just felt so bad for you. Cause I know that that's not your value. I know that that's not you and just that name thing. And I was like, God, that, that just, I just felt for you, man. So I'm glad you guys were making out of it. Yeah. Um, Interesting times. I will say, you know, in the la in those first six months, I, I wrote more statements on behalf of the company and the brand than I ever thought I would. As my, <laughs> I mean, tornado, COVID, the original corner pub. It, it was it was one thing after another. But but we wanted to make sure our our vision and our our core values, as he said, were were clear to the public and and to the communities that we work and that we serve in. Well, so it's, it's a, uh, what does not kill you makes you stronger. And going into 2021, you guys are going to be like muscle men, you know, just like we have, we have calluses. We've been working out pretty hard, regular business. We are going to crush this. Yeah. This is crazy. Get into uh, to regular business and not, you know, be, be able to, uh, to continue what we started uh, when we first took over. Uh, and, and get back into the regular course of what we want to do. Is there anything that I have not covered that you guys wanted to talk about today? You know, I think uh, touching on the commissary was huge for us. It's it's exciting. It's it's what's coming next. It's what a lot of people are are looking to. Um, you know, I know you probably see it a lot with your own company, but you know, people are just looking on how can we be more efficient. How can we bring more to the bottom line. And, and that's, you know, with the quality and consistency that we're bringing to our restaurants, um, you know, and the USDA certification coming very quickly, uh, we can bring that to a lot of great places in Nashville um, and beyond, you know, I mean, we, we're looking to, you know, we already do serve places down as far as Louisiana right now. So we're just, we're just looking to keep expanding and, and it's, it's coming in hot right now. I love it. I'm so excited for you guys and your future, and no, you're just absolutely going to kill it. And um, I thank you so much for taking the time to uh, to come on Nashville Restaurant Radio. One of the things I do with every single guest that comes on the show is I like to give them the final word. So whatever, I no, no topic, whatever you want to say to the Nashville culinary community, or the Nashville community, whoever's listening to this uh, 10 years from now and right now, um, no time limit, no, no topic, just open mic. And then we'll, then we'll, we'll say, we'll have, we'll bid you adieu. Yeah. I think, you know, uh, it's uh, obviously 2020 has been a year um, and, and Nashville's taken a, a, a bunch of hits. Um, but I think, you know, if, if anything, you know, going back all the way to the flood and seeing how everybody in Nashville comes together um, in this, in this, industry uh especially um is, is important for us to stay together work together um and do what we can to help each other uh, obviously we all uh, at the end of the day have to 
support our families and have money, but at the same time, you know, doing what we can to help our our competitors and and help the people that are across the street from us, uh, you know, serving the same food we are. I think that's the biggest and most important thing uh, to get us back to where we need to be uh, and get the tourists back in into Nashville uh, and doing it safely. Um, you know, I might not agree with all the guidelines or or what uh, the mayor is doing, um, but I'll abide by them. Uh, and make sure that we, as as uh, as a company and, and people that service the public, are are keeping everybody safe at the same time. Um, and if we can do that, and, and you know, get this thing squashed out, um, I think we'll be able to get back to normal a lot quicker, and uh, keep moving forward. I'm excited for what we're doing. Uh, I have a great team uh, around us, um, and you know, we're we're set to grow and grow pretty quickly, uh, both Corner Pub. And Esquina Cantina, uh, you know, we're going to get ready to do a, a full brand relaunch with it. Um, and, and that's going to come with us. So where we take corner pubs, um, Esquina is going to come with us. Um, I'm just excited about the future. I'm excited about Nashville um, and, and everything that's happening. Um, and I'll kind of leave it like that. It's uh, I'm, I'm ready to, to progress and, and watch the city streets get filled back up uh, with all the woo girls and uh, see what we can do. Amen, brother. What about you, Corey? We are Nashville strong. I can't, I can't follow that, but I will <laughs> say we are Nashville strong. <laughs> yes, sir. Well, gentlemen, again, thank you so much for taking the time today and uh, wish you nothing but the best of luck. We'll do this again in a short time. I'd love to hear uh, to kind of catch up with you again to kind of know how things are going once you get a little more back to normal. Absolutely, man. Thank you, Brandon. I appreciate you guys. All right. Corey and Tabor, so excited to have you guys on the show today. Really appreciate you taking the time to do that. Always enjoyed talking to those guys. Every time I'm just in the restaurant or whatever, just hanging out, talking to them. Like, uh, totally feel like they're like-minded people. So this is our last show for the week. Uh, we are doing the Roundup live tomorrow at 3.30 on Facebook as well as YouTube. And that show will be released as a podcast on Friday, so you can listen to it as you drive into work in our newfound traffic. Uh, we will have a big week next week. We have a man named Justin Biltonen, who is the bass player for Three Doors Down. He's also a country singer, and we're gonna we're gonna talk about the simulation between music and restaurants and how. Uh, how they work together because I feel like there's a, a big part about how musicians work, especially in a band and how you kind of go through these big moments together and just kind of how that level of teamwork is. So it's not really a restaurant thing, but we're going to make it a restaurant thing. Damn it. It's going to happen. And then Charlie Nelson will be on next Wednesday. He is the uh, owner of Nelson's Greenbrier distillery. So if you like Bellmead bourbon or uh, it's the Nelson's Greenbrier He's going to be on telling the story, talking all about it. We're going to have a good old time. But uh, we certainly appreciate you guys listening today. And uh, we hope that you are being safe. Love you guys. Bye.